0: Uh, definitely, uh, really deep impact. Some some interviews uh, have started rolling out. I've already heard in the last 24 hours for some people that needed a job. So you never know uh, what what can happen. We're starting a series uh, today called "Killing It." And uh, before we get started, if you want to go back and hear it again, and you might, might just want to because we're going to talk about some very relevant material, you can go to our website, you can watch it. And I want to say before you start recommending this to other people that you know, because I think you're going to know some people that need to hear this, before you do, you've got to own it. This is for you. So we've got some rules here this morning, okay? You ready? Elbows to your side. No okay no elbowing either way no glances no no okay it's all about you okay this message is for who for you okay and for me all right before we go anywhere so what we're going to talk about I'm going to give you a couple of clues what we're going to talk about today in this whole series called killing it and uh this this uh this subject that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks is all about this Things that keep you from and cause you to. Things that keep you from and cause you to. You ready? I'm going to give you some clues and see if you can figure out what we're going to be talking about. This one thing keeps you from celebrating other people's success. This one thing, don't shout it out. Thank you, Lonnie. This one thing, this one thing keeps you from initiating an apology when you know you're wrong. This one thing keeps you from ar- keeps you arguing your point even after you know the fact that you really don't have a good point. This one thing keeps you from admitting you're, you're uh, wrong, that you're lost, keeps you from admitting your weaknesses. It keeps you from admitting, admitting that you need help. This one thing keeps you from admitting that you don't know what you're talking about, even though everybody else in the room knows that you don't know what you're talking about, you still think you know what you're talking about. This one thing keeps you from being honest with others. This one thing keeps you from learning new things because you want everybody around you to think you know everything. And it causes you to... This one thing causes you to feel good when others fail. It's what causes you to power up when you should open up. It's what causes you to cheat before you will lose. It causes you to lie about your past, a failed relationship, that you never graduated from that school and you never accomplished what you said you did. It's what causes you to have the final word in an argument with somebody that you're arguing with. It's what causes you to buy things, to impress people, even though no one is paying attention. Any guesses what we're going to be talking about? Yep, you got it. Not that difficult, is it? We're going to be talking about pride for the next three weeks. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you fired up about we're going to talk about pride? Some of you are not that exciting. Now let me just say this in the beginning. We're not talking about the kind of pride that you say when I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my niece or my nephew. We're not talking about that kind of pride. We're not talking about the kind of pride where you say I'm proud of my work ethic. I'm proud of my company. You know, the kind of pride that inspires other people. No, we're not talking about that kind of pride. We're talking about the kind of pride that's ugly, yucky, disgusting, And we're talking about the kind of pride that C.S. Lewis described in a quote from him. Look at what C.S. Lewis said. Unchastity, and we don't even know what that word means. It's so ugly and so awful. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness are mere flea bites. In comparison, pride leads to every other vice. Yes, that's what we're going to be talking about. That ugly yucky thing. And guess what? It's in you and it's in me. It's in all of us. And the sooner we can embrace it and understand it, we can kill it. And after today, you're going to want to kill it because you're going to see the effect that it's having on you and how it's holding you back from experiencing all that God wants. Pride diminishes you. It doesn't make you bigger. It doesn't make you badder. It makes you smaller. It makes you hard, it diminishes your, your ability to admit when you're wrong. It diminishes your, you to, to apologize, to acknowledge things that you're doing wrong. It makes you smaller, it makes you little. Pride diminishes your capacity to say what needs to be said. Do you know that there's people around you that need some words of affirmation, some words of encouragement? Do you know there's some people that are just starving? People that you're close to, they're starving for you. People at work, they're just starving for you to say something good. And you know why you can't say it? Your pride. You can't let it out. You can't share it with somebody. You just, you're gonna, you're all under control. It, it keeps you, it diminishes your capacity to hear what needs to be heard. Well, I don't need to hear anything, I got this. Let me tell you, there are people wanting to talk to you. Okay, they want to they bring things to your attention, but when they do, it just bounces off. It just bounces right off of you. You don't hear it, and pride is the cause of it. Pride diminishes your capacity to give what needs to be given, to give your input, to give a helping hand, to serve. No, you can't do that because literally it's beneath you to give at that level, to do that particular thing. You're too busy. You've got too much going on. And the reality of it is, it's not all of that. It's your pride. And literally, when I say you can't, you can't. And it, it basically comes down to this. You hand the remote control of your life over to pride so that pride can basically control you. You don't have control anymore. Pride has control of you. And so basically, who's giving you the orders? It's your pride. And pride is in control, and you're no longer in control. So today, I want to encourage you to take back the remote and give it to somebody else, somebody that has a lot better understanding about what's best for you and what's best for me. So I hope that you and I can, can, can let it go. You know, pride diminishes our capacity to love other people and also receive love from other people. Did you know that? I mean, it's huge. Pride crowds others out. I mean, people can't get in because there's no room in your life, in your heart, in your space because of your pride. When you're full of you, There's no room for anybody else. When it's all about you, people can't get in. And if you're wondering why you don't have great relationships, maybe pride's a good place to start, asking the question. Why your relationships aren't really deep? Maybe there's no room. Maybe maybe people have tried to get in your life to get closer to you. You know, and we oftentimes feel sorry for ourselves when it's really about something we can control. Pride also deprioritizes everybody else in the room. Basically, anybody who's in the house, in the room, in the workspace, it lowers them and elevates you. That's what pride does. And it diminishes the potential that we have to let other people in pride crowds out not only people but pride crowds out god and let me show you this verse in psalm chapter 10 verse 4 look what it says it says in his pride the wicked man does not seek him why in all his thoughts there is no room for god now, I want to mention at this point, because maybe there's somebody in the room, and maybe there's somebody online who's watching, and I just got to say this for you, because you know you've got a problem with your pride, but you think, you think it's your intellect. Literally, there are people, when this, when this says, in his thoughts, there's no room for God. His mind is so filled with himself, God doesn't exist. God can't exist. There's no room. God can't be in his space. And see, I believe there's some of you that if we were to sit down and talk about, you know, God and God in your life, I believe you would win the argument whether God even exists. You, you might even win the argument. And I, I'll give you that. And you say, well, I'm so smart. I understand. I, I have an intellectual level that is so much superior to other people. Let me, let me tell you this. It's, it's not that. It's not that. Your pride, not your intellect, is keeping you from God. See, because I know some really, I, I'm not the smartest person that I know. In fact, I, I would consider people around me a lot smarter than me, but I know some really smart people, people that have graduated with a full scholarship to places like Harvard University, MIT, and they, they you know, they scored a perfect score on their SAT score. They're really smart, I know these people. I'm privileged to know them. I call them. Hey, what would you do? They're very smart, but they follow God. See, it's not a question of intellect. It's a question of pride. See, you can't stoop down. There's no room in your intellect for God. And how do you know? What's the acid test? I'm going to give you a tip. How you know if this is really going on in your life. Number one is, you know, not only are you stiff-arming God, but if you're also stiff-arming other relationships, if you're having problems in your relationships because of your intellect, guess what we got a problem with? You don't have an intellect problem. You've got a pride problem. And you may not like me very much after I said that, but let me just say this. I'm saying it because I'm trying to break down the truth in your life. There are a lot of smart people or think they are smart people who don't believe in God and the issue is not their intellect. The issue is their pride. They've got this gigantic pride and there's no room in there for God. Pride is a prison. It shuts us in and shuts God and others out. Do you know that prideful people are very lonely people? They can't experiment. They they have relationships and then they lose relationships. Because people can't put up with it. And I would say they don't have a great relationship with God. And then Jesus invites us to follow him. But did you know that inviting, when Jesus invites us to follow him, to follow Jesus, it's literally to unfollow pride. They're in complete opposites. They're going the opposite direction. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to decide, I'm going to unfollow pride. Pride. And I've got to come to grips with where pride is in my life. And this is also going to be an exercise this next couple of weeks where I want to encourage you to invite other people because here's the interesting thing about pride. You see it really well in other people, don't you? I mean, you can nail it. You see so clearly. You can see it in a second. He's prideful. She's prideful. You can see it in a second, but guess who you have trouble seeing it in? It's like the mirror's broken. You're like, wait a minute, I need some glasses I can't see. And then people try to bring it to your attention, and you turn around, and you go, wait a minute. I don't, I don't see what you're talking about. I don't get it. And that's how difficult pride is, particularly if you're gifted in a certain area. So I hope that if you're, if you're interested, in, and the interesting thing about following Jesus, and if you're, you're here new at church, and you haven't been to church in a while, I just want to let you know, You don't have to believe everything about Jesus in order to start following Jesus. Now, why do I say that? Because even people in the New Testament, the people in the first century who were followers of Jesus, they did not believe in the beginning right away. They started following Jesus, but they didn't believe he was the son of God yet. It wasn't until the end that they came to the conclusion that Jesus is the son of God, but they still followed him you don't have to believe everything that I believe about Jesus to initiate start starting to follow Jesus you can do that and in this one area if you're not a believer if you're not like I don't know the Bible God I'm not ready to embrace all of that if you will embrace this one area of your life talking about pride and follow Jesus in this one area I promise you I promise you you're gonna see change you're gonna see some unbelievable changes in your life Jesus taught not only he taught and he modeled a radically liberating version of humility what am I talking about at the very tail end of Jesus's ministry he sat down with his disciples and he washed their feet do you realize that there's a pecking order you know when Jesus was doing his his ministry there was a pecking order in life and in society You had the haves and the have-nots. And so for Jesus to do that, say like if you were sick, the reason you're sick is because God's mad at you. That's the way people would think. And if you're at a high level of society, God's with you, he's blessing you, you're somebody special. And Jesus threw all of that on its head. He turned it upside down and he washed his disciples' feet. Do you realize that in the pecking order of servants, The lowliest servant was the one to wash the feet. Not serve the food, because that was on a different level. Not take out the trash, that was at a different level. The foot washer was the lowliest of all the servants in a household. And that's what Jesus was willing to do. In fact, look at some of the teaching that Jesus rolled out in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 5, he said, "'Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth.'" Now, what's that mean? I'm not quite sure, but it's something big. Okay? It means you're going to inherit not only this life, but another life that's coming. Basically, what Jesus is saying is meek is the new black. It's It's what's up. Okay? Jesus is basically saying the meek, they got it going on. They understand. They get it and so I want you to understand what Jesus taught and modeled was so so contrary to the way we think and the way society thinks about ourselves Jesus initiated reconciliation he didn't wait now this is a big pride test you know when you got something going on with somebody that you're close to you know what I mean they offend you or you offended them who's the first one to take the initiative are you? I can tell you, you know, my, my marriage, I can just be honest with you. There are times when I know I did it wrong, I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, but it's so hard for me to take initiative and say, I'm sorry. I, honey, I was wrong. It's hard. You know why it's hard? Pride. And Jesus, Jesus initiated Reconciliation. He took the initiative basically pride says wait Jesus says initiate you know pride says you know I'm not ready to talk to her yet I'm not really ready to talk to him yet because you know we're not there and I got to think about it and here's what Christians say Christians say hey could you pray for me because I'm really not ready to talk to her yet bro bro could you pray to me you don't need prayer You need to do what Jesus said. You need to initiate. We need to initiate and initiate quickly. See, pride is the thing that's holding you back. It's what's making you wait to talk to, to initiate, to connect with the people that you're close to. Pride is a killer. It it makes us smaller. It, it, It restricts us. And I want you to imagine the conversation before this happened. Between God and Jesus. As God looked out on the earth, and you think He doesn't understand what's going on down here. No, He knows exactly what's going on. He saw the pain, He sees the pain, He understands the suffering that's going on. And imagine the conversation between God and Jesus and them saying, You know what, we've got a huge problem. What can we do to fix it? And Jesus says, I know. I'll go. And I will initiate, I will initiate reconciliation. I'll be the one. But wait, what if they dismiss us? What if they reject us? What if they don't appreciate our initiative of me dying for them on the cross? What if they don't respect it? And what if it doesn't reach them? We're gonna do it anyway. Because we're going to be the initiators of reconciliation. Can you think about that for a second? God, Jesus, being the initiators to help you and me when we know we're lost, we know we're messed up, we know we need the help, we know we're separated from God, and that Jesus takes the initiative with us seriously. I mean, that's huge. Look what Paul said 20 years after Jesus' ministry. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same approach in your relationships. What does that mean? Should I approach it with pride or should I approach it with humility? He goes on. Jump down to verse 7. He made himself, what? What? Nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus was the son of God. And what a position did he take? He made himself not just human. He made him, he made himself lower than you and me. I mean, wow. And what was the reason for that? To help us. To help us. And he took the very nature of a servant. You know one of the things that Jesus taught? You're not great because of how many people you have serving you. If you're the boss and you've got 10 people that work for you, that serve you, that bring you coffee, that do all those things, that doesn't make you great. Jesus taught this. What makes you great is how many people you serve. That's what's going to elevate you. And so Jesus not only taught it, but he modeled it. He became our what? Our servant. Became, became and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to come down here and live among us and deal with the rejection, deal with the abuse, deal with the way we deal with him? You think it's easy? You think it was easy? But he humbled himself even to that. Becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What's Jesus asking you to do? Is he asking you to die on a cross? No, he's asking you to apologize. He's asking you to go and make an apology. He's asking you to humble yourself and reconcile with your husband or with your wife or with your kids or with that person at work. He's not asking us to die, but he did it in order to show us how important this is, how huge this is. And so I, you know, I get really emotional about this because this is so powerful, what Jesus did for us, what he went through for us. And then he concluded, he says, listen, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. I want you to imitate my humility because my humility is what's going to liberate you and not only you, the people around you. And so that's why I want to invite you in the next three weeks to kill it. Don't just try to get pride out of your life. You want to kill it. You want the remote out of pride's hands and in God's hands. You want God calling the shots in your life. And this is significant. As we talk about following Jesus, you know, and, 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 and basically Jesus, when he says, follow me, he's saying, give me the remote. Pride's got the remote, give it to me. And I will send you on the right direction on how to have incredible relationships. Now, I want to share this with you guys because it's easy for me to sit up here and as you may see me talking about pride. I want you to understand my beginnings. When I first started out training in the ministry, spent three years training in the ministry, I had guys that were mentoring me, tutoring me, helping me, teaching me, showing me what it, how to be a minister. The first guy that I started to work with in ministry training, you know what he said to me? I can't work with you because you're too prideful. Wow. And you know what? He was right. Then he says, I got the perfect guy who can work with you. He used to be really, really, really prideful. So I'm going to, you're going to go work with him because he can help you. And boy, did he ever help me. Now, we laugh and we joke about pride, but it got to the point, guys, I, I sat in some times with my mentor, with, with guys that were teaching me, were helping me, and they, say, they would say things to me like, you, you are one of the most prideful people that I've ever met. And I knew it. it. It got to the point that all you had to do was mention the word pride, and I would just, oh, yeah, you're right because it was so much of my nature. It was all over me. Probably the most cutting remark that I ever heard in my ministry training is, you know what? When there's pride in your life, it reminds God of the devil himself. Because one of the attributes of the devil is he was so prideful and puffed up, that he thought he was at an equal level with God. And nothing could be further from the truth. So for those first three years, guess what my training was? It wasn't in Bible. I got a lot of training in Bible. I got a lot of training on how to help people, how to counsel people, how to lead ministries, how to do it. But guess what was one of the main things that I learned in my ministry training how to follow Jesus for real and that means being humble and forever it's going to be my nemesis forever it's going to be something that's going to be I got to be careful with it I got if somebody comes up to me and says hey I think you're being prideful I'm not even going to argue it because it's so much of my nature to be prideful even, the, even the, the people that I'm, I'm associated with, you know, I, I was born uh, as, as, as a son of two Cuban people. Do you know what the, the reputation of Cuban people is? Huh? You know what it is? They're prideful. They're prideful people. Some people say, well, that's a good thing. Not, not when it comes to following Jesus. See, when you're a follower of Jesus, you gotta lay your pride at the altar and say no more. You know, and you guys that are teens, I just got to say, you see it every day at school, don't you? And it's in vogue, it's, it's, it's popular, but you got to make a choice. You're going to follow Jesus. You can't be a prideful person. And I'm not saying you got to be a doormat. That's not what we're talking about. But it's about somebody who's an initiator of of humility. An initiator of reconciling so I'm gonna leave you to close out I'm gonna leave you with three questions okay three questions today and I don't want you to just go yeah yeah write them down okay write them on your phone write them on the back of the newsletter in fact I think they're already in the newsletter but I'm gonna give you some homework and if you're a guest here today and you really want to follow Jesus in this particular area I would highly recommend that you act on these questions. I've already done some work, and guess what I found? I've still got some pride to work on. People that I'm close to. So, question number one how does pride manifest itself in you? How does pride manifest itself in you? So, well, I, I don't really see much pride in my life. I think I'm a pretty humble person. Let me help you out. Today at lunch, Sit down with somebody who's close to you, who's honest with you, maybe after lunch because you don't want to ruin lunch, okay? At the end of lunch, sit down with the person that you're close to and ask them this question. How do you see that pride manifests itself in me? Help me out. And I would encourage you to do this work because you're going to become aware of things that you've not seen in your life? How does it manifest itself? And you know what? Even talking about this, there's a false, you ever heard of the word false humility Of the words false humility? There are certain people who act humble on the outside, but guess what they got going on all up inside. In fact, it's a show. They're only doing, they're only doing the work on the outside to impress you that they're humble because in reality, they want to put on a good show to make you think that they're pri- they're humble, but they're really prideful. And this happens a lot in church, in church world. Number two, what does pride masquerade as in you? What kind of masks of pride? You know, and and one of them could be self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself. Do you know that people who feel sorry for themselves are very prideful people? Because they don't ask for help. They rather sit alone, be depressed, instead of humbling out and saying, how can I get myself out of this situation? You know, and you, you've been through a lot. You've, you've had a lot of hurts, but the only way you're going to get yourself back up, and, and let me just say this, you know, some of you, 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 you really don't want to ask anybody to get involved in your life. You know, what impressed me yesterday was all the number of people that were there at the unleash your success taking notes and trying to learn so they can they can grow and learn from other people who've been successful but my concern is some of you had nothing going on yesterday and you didn't go and you know why the reason you didn't go because you're prideful you don't need any help you don't need to grow anymore you don't need to be anymore for God you've reached your pinnacle how does it masquerade itself Ask those people close to you. And number three, the last one is, how much longer are you gonna let pride hold the remote in your life? How much longer? A week? A month? A year? Maybe the rest of your life, really? One of the things you gotta understand, nobody purposefully decides I'm gonna be prideful and shut people out of my life. Nobody decides to do that on purpose it's that we're blind to it and another reason is we don't work on it pride is something that I have to work on a lot all the time and if you're a prideful person welcome to the club all of us are in one shape or another so wrapping it up I want you to make a decision today to say this pride You're not my master, you're not my warden, you're not my boss, you're not my friend. I'm done with you. You and I are finished. I'm going to break up with you. Because you're not my boyfriend or my girlfriend either. And, and, And to think, you know, there are people around you that are dying, they're starving for you to be vulnerable with them. And so I want you to say this to pride today. You know what, pride? I'm going to go today and I'm going to apologize. Right, right after this service is over, I'm going right to the person and I'm going to apologize to him or I'm going to apologize to her because I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. I'm going to make that phone call to that family member or that situation. You know what, pride? You keep it up and I'm going to start praying. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pray intensely. I'm going to be a man or a woman of prayer. That's what I'm going to do, pride, because I'm finished with you. You know what, pride? I'm going to start studying the Bible because I'm done. I hate you. You've done nothing but make make trouble in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my relationships. I'm done with you. I'm finished. So I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to decide to follow Jesus, and what that means is to be a humble person. You know, every time that I've decided to to be humble, guess what God does? He elevates. He elevates. He lifts up my, my relationships. He lifts up my spirit. And what I found out is it's really not that hard as we think it is to apologize, is it? Take the initiative to say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Once it's over, you go, man, why why didn't I do that sooner? You know why? Because you're prideful. And we're prideful. So I, I so much look forward to this next three weeks and the, and the, and the growth and the explosion that's going to have. And in closing, do you know why pride is such a big issue? Because it separates us from God. You know, we talked about this in the first, you know, number of weeks of the year, talking about the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit guide our lives. There is nothing that deters the Holy Spirit more than pride. That's why we want to be rid of it. So if you're a guest here today, I want to encourage you go after this and you will see the fruit. So let me say a prayer for you you're all going to be dismissed. Hope you have an incredible week while you're killing it okay? Kill it and then we'll see you next week for part two let's pray Father we thank you so much for the privilege that you've given us to know you, to know Jesus more than anything God we want to thank you for taking the initiative with us God, we didn't deserve it. Uh, Father, we ran away from you. We avoided you. We stiff-armed you. We made excuses, and yet you kept on coming. You sent someone to us to help us, and you continue to send people to us to help us. God, I do pray this week that you will please help us to kill our pride and hand over the remote to Jesus so he can have complete control of us and that he can teach us the benefit, the power of humility. God, we love you. Bless the rest of our week. Thank you. Bless our church. Help us all, all of us to be a humble church. And I pray for our friends and guests who are here that you will bless them and help them to see the benefit, the power of humility. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Have a great